Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zach Reese. I'm your host. It is the July 21st, 2018 edition. Joining me today is my counterpart, Adam Vitali. Hey. Hey. So, yes, it's, it's, us today. Yeah, it's just us two. Uh, it's pretty, been pretty quiet in the staff channel uh, on Discord, so uh, we decided to go ahead and get this podcast rolling here since, I don't know about you, it's really, really hot here in California. Oh, yeah. Last week, uh, I am in the desert up in... I'm on the desert half of Washington State, and it was in the it was in the upper 90s and up into the hundreds last week. Oh my freaking gosh! I don't know what to do with all this because yeah, next week it's going to be back into the hundreds. When uh, I was talking about this before, but during um, a last podcast, but during Anime Expo, it got up to 110 degrees. People were being pulled out of the line because they were dealing with heat exhaustion. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I think they had, they hit a record for like highest temperature for that time of year not like highest temperature ever but for you know early july or whatever it was like it was never that hot at that point in time (laughs) so yeah i mean in socal it was the hottest it's ever been like that was a it broke the record for that day for the for a couple of those days okay for the hottest it's ever been on record so yeah uh you know that's just what we're kind of putting up with and right now i don't have my fan going just to do this podcast so we're gonna try to see if we can get this podcast rolling so that we can get to some of the news here not a whole lot you sweating through the mic yeah i'm like you can probably hear me like wiping my face off as we speak but (laughs) uh yes there there wasn't a whole lot of news to go over uh but there's actually some pretty exciting stuff potentially uh that we can talk about but before we get into that we always like to talk about uh the games that we've been playing so uh adam of course you covered east memories of salsetta now uh obviously that game is not out for yet uh another few days here it's out next wednesday i believe uh so yeah uh you but you did put up your impressions and so far it looks like it's just yet another stellar pc port for the company for xseed right yeah so first of all kind of weird i'm under like review embargo even though it's a a game that's been out (laughs) for five years but what's you gonna do uh but i but i'm not under preview embargo so i can talk about like the port itself which is the thing people are probably curious about anyway so anyways um so yeah, it comes out next week on PC. Now this is uh, these Xseed ports. So like some Xseed ports are actually done in house by Sarah Lean, yes. who is their programmer. Uh, for example, uh, or like at least she uh, takes like old like Falcon ports and spruces them up a lot. Modernizes like, them, yeah. Yeah, like for for example, Xanadu Next came out a couple of years ago. That was a PC game, but she took that and you know did her magic and made it modern for like now it's on steam and it's a great port yeah it's compatible Um, with modern systems and such yeah yeah so first of all i should mention that east memories of salsetta has a pc port in uh china i think i'm not not sure if that i'm not sure if that appeared other elsewhere but that actually released a couple of years ago um this is not that this is a totally (laughs) new port good done by it's actually done by a japanese house called hyde uh, H-Y-D-E, hmm. is who did the port, is who, it's who uh, XE contracted to do it. And they're also the same group that did the E7 port. Oh. And yeah, the, the E7 port was really nice, but it was kind of barren. It, it didn't have a lot of you know fancy bells and whistles in terms of how you can enhance the picture and the performance and things. Yeah. Like it ran well, it had some anti-aliasing, it had some you know bloom filters and texture filters and things, high resolution, high frame rates, um, but that was about it. Uh, this port is of a Vita game, East Memories of Salsetta, instead of a PSP game, which was E7, which came out. That port 
came out last year. Yeah. Uh, so with this being a Vita game, they could do more with it. Mm-hmm. And actually, if you've played uh, Trails of Cold Steel on PC, yes. that config menu, which I believe was organized by Durante, yeah. known for yeah. uh, DS Fix and other uh, PC port modding, um, is that type of menu. Now, he, ha- he doesn't have anything to do with this port, but it's, it looks like he just, you know, he made that, he made this, this system config that XC is using. Uh, so it kind of shares, it shares that, it basically bears that resemblance where it has options for things like texture and uh, aliasing and shadows. And it gives you a, a nice little preview on that config screen about how it actually changes the look yeah. of the, of the game. So, yeah, it's, so it has basically everything that the uh, E7 port did last year, but now it has more shadow options. Um, it has higher levels of anti-aliasing uh, up to SSAA times four. Um, and also, uh, there is an HDR setting. Now, oh. HDR is a little bit like I, I'm not the expert to talk about it, so I'm not quite sure if this is if this can be true HDR being a port of a Vita game if it can really support actual HDR. I don't know how that works exactly. Now, I don't have an HDR monitor; those just came out this year, really. Um, it looked like a bloom feature to me. Uh, so I can't really talk about that, but it does support something that at least calls HDR. Um, and it supports high frame rates up to unlocked frame rates, 144 hertz. Uh, and it's a really nice port. I played it at 4K, uh, and I was getting 60 frames per second, 59 to 60, basically the entire time playing through the game. Um, you know, it's it's a Vita game, so it's not going to be like super like visually impressive. But it, it, it runs really well. I had really no issues with it whatsoever. Uh, one thing that's cool is th- a couple things they added to this PC port is uh, an autosave. So that wasn't in wow. the Vita version. They yeah. just decided to add an autosave. Um, it saves every minute, every five minutes, or every 15 minutes, you just, or, or you can disable it altogether. And also, there is a... Uh, so in the original game, there's a fast-forward option where you can just kind of you hold down like the cancel button and it skips through dialogue kind of quickly. Just, yeah. you know, if you're replaying it or whatever, uh, or they're just jabbering on and on, you don't want to talk, you don't want to listen to them talk. The port actually has like a super fast forward where it goes like <laughs> yeah. even twice as fast compared to that. And it just like blitzes through all the dialogue scenes. So it's like, it's a nice thing, especially cause I was replaying the game. I played it a couple of times before. Um, so nice. It's kind of nice that they just add little things like that uh, to these ports. Uh, the trails in the sky. They added the uh, they added the the fast forward option through battle, um, which is you know it's one of those things like once you have it, you can't live without it. Obviously, you can't do that for East, but <laughs> so it's it's just a really nice port. Um, as for the game itself, Memories of Celseta isn't my favorite East game, um, but the port is so good that it actually I think my my uh, impression of it actually noticeably improved a bit just playing it on a bigger screen uh playing it with a high with a, some better textures and the better frame rate performance and high resolution uh it, it i think i just enjoyed it a lot more yeah it's it, it, it really easy to play um now i haven't played isa, <laughs> ISA 8 yet uh i still need to get around to that but it is kind of amusing how like the e7 and e set ports are really really great, and then this E8 port is, I think it's better now. I think they recently put out an update. Nisa did uh, for it that fixed my major concerns with it, but we'll see. Yeah, 
I mean, that's the thing. Obviously, there's a lot of people who's going to be making comparisons to this. Uh, it's a, it's obviously a Vita game compared yeah, to a PS4 game. It's, so it's really hard to make that yeah that comparison because it, as you said before, it's also a game that existed on the PC before. Of course, it's not the same. It's not the same game. I imagine yeah. you know maybe Durante built the tools necessary I, I, to like feed it through that so that anything yeah, they I, want I, to work I think, on. I think, I think he, he might've sold, I don't know, you know, this is speculation, but he might've, you know, when he was contracted to make this before he got compensated for it. And maybe they purchased this, uh, you know, this config, like this layout that they can just use or that they allowed Hyde to use when making the port. So it just, it just bear that similarity. And it was immediately obvious when you, when you, when I first started up the game, like, Oh wow, this, this config screen looks just like the one in Trails of Cold Steel. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's also worth noting, like, so Ease Memories of Sel- Ease Memories of Sosada, that is PlayStation TV compatible. And I actually recorded some video that I posted on our YouTube channel from back then when it first became compatible, like, I don't know, like two or three years ago. I forget how long it's been. But the obviously the, the problem with that is that it, it sort of still looks like a Vita game just blown up. So the yeah. UI isn't adjusted at all. Like the graphics aren't necessarily improved that well, much. So, but the PC, of course, it optimizes everything. So that is still like this. Sounds like this is still like the ideal experience. Yeah, it, it, it's it's you know, and like I I have a pretty well uh, higher end PC, um, but you know this. I, I couldn't test it with this one, but I did test it with E7. These games seem pretty well optimized. That yeah. even if you have just a, you could probably play this on a on a modern laptop pretty easily at medium to low settings. You know, like the original resolution is less than 720p. So yeah, it, going to 4K, it's like how much benefit do you get from that? Really, you can go to 1080 yeah. and, and make but, it more six constant 60 or something. A couple a couple more things I do want to mention. Yeah. Um, some of the UI elements, on one hand, like for example, the character artwork. They, it's not just upscale. They clearly had like a higher resolution source artwork that they brought into this port. So that all looks really nice, um, like the 2D art um, for portraits. Yeah. But some of the UI elements, like for example, the dialogue text, you can tell it was made for a portable handheld screen because on the, on the PC, it's kind of the opposite problem that some games have where for this port, it's pretty big. Uh, you, you could tell it was for like a, the Vita screen and now being brought to a PC screen, the dialogue text is font is kind of large. You, know, you get used to it, but it's a little bit larger than normal. Um, and what was the other thing I was going to mention? Uh, oh, yes. So the Vita game had a couple of uh, functions that were... Um, touchpad stuff, yeah. Yeah, they're relegated to the touchpad. Things like opening, there's like a quick... A quick a quick menu for items. There's a yes. little button for it, and the map. How you access the main map is how you did is uh, was on the touchpad as well as targeting enemies to see like they're, what they're weak to and what they drop and things like that. Uh, so obviously can't have touchpad here, but now you have. I, I played it with a with a controller, which you have an extra pair of shoulder buttons, um, as, and basically I just played with the default gamepad settings, and. I was extremely comfortable with them. I didn't have to. Ch- I didn't feel like I needed to change them at all. Every function had a button for it, uh, and it was organized in a way that made sense to me. They are all rebindable, though. So if there's something that's like you know, I, I think this would make more sense on you know a shoulder or a face button. You can know, you can do all of that. So that's nice. Yeah, um, I know. Yeah, it's, it's a, go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say it's a really solid port. I really don't have any issues with it. You do have to remember though that it was a Vita game. So like sometimes when it when like if there's like a cutscene and it zooms in on a character model. 
like you can tell some of the textures have been updated a little bit, but like the model animations are really simple. There's facial animations are extremely simple. So it's, you know, they, they really couldn't do anything with that unless they were to remake them. Uh, so you have to remember it is a Vita game, but otherwise it's a really nice port. and uh, runs really well. You know, there's really no reason unless you really want the handheld aspect of it. This it's, it's a, it's the, it's a great version of the game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and it's, and, uh, obviously, you also recorded some video footage of this yeah. PC version, and that's on our YouTube channel as well, youtube.com slash RPG site net. If anyone wants to check it out um, or just do a Google search, you can find it that way. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's it still looks impressive to me. I still I think I like it more than maybe a, a lot of other people do uh, in terms of my enjoyment because I reviewed the original Vita version. Um back when it first came out and so uh i still think it's a solid game and so people should be willing to check it out uh do you know what the launch price is going to be for it uh looking i can look up it up quick. Quick. Yeah, yeah curious it's i think it's going to be it's going to be have like a launch price discount like all exceed games I th- yeah and um like 30 bucks maybe like most like all like most exceed games it's going to be on steam and gog so you can get a um a drm free version of it let's see here it's 25 dollars uh 25 euros 20 pounds i don't think it has a discount actually oh okay well maybe they'll sometimes they just reveal it at the very end of it but 25 bucks sounds about right like i was thinking 20 yeah. 25 that sounds about right for a game like this um considering it was of course a full price vita game at 40 bucks when it came out so mm-hmm. um people should Check it out. Uh, if anything, yeah. it'll show them. Yeah, this is how you do a PC port of an East game, but you know. And I mean, after this, almost every single English East game is on PC now. I think the only one that's not With three is Wanderers of East. Yeah, yeah, yeah which that's... Is the older version. It's the older version of three. They have the newer version of three, which is Oath and Falgana. Uh, East is weird when you talk when you start getting into the remakes. And in fact, Salsetta is like the third remake of the fourth game. Uh, or, you know, it's the third version of it. Yeah, it's uh, weird because uh, Wanderers of East, uh, that actually has its birthday today. And I looked it up, and after that game came out, Wanderers, uh, it took another it 13 years for us to get another one, which was Arkham yeah, that, Pichdom. Yeah, it was, that was when Konami uh, localized <laughs> the PS2 version. censored it without, took out the yeah, blood and, and stuff. Yeah, and the PS2 version also has, like, a weird, like... Uh, like a 3D model, like I know, like the the Salsetta has 3D models, but it it has like a 3D model of the uh, of the of of at all in this game, whereas like the version on that's that's on Steam now is the, an, an artwork version, like and it's... like all the rest of that style that the Othenthalgana and Napishtim, or however you pronounce it. Yeah. Uh, now, actually, Wanderers of East, I think, is the only one I haven't played uh, in English. Oh, I haven't played. Mm. I haven't played uh, the other versions of four or five yet. <laughs> oh, you haven't played? Have you played the Turbo Graphics version of one and two? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, play, I, yeah I actually played that recently. I played a. Uh, I played Chronicles. Oh, you know, a while ago, a couple of years ago, but I, I heard from some people who basically so Chronicles is like the modernized version. Yeah, and it has it has like a couple of different artwork settings, like three different soundtrack options. But I I know from some people who are like hardcore fans, like actually. East Book One and Two, which is the Turbo Graphics PC Engine version, is actually the better version. Yes, and I totally agree. As someone who played both those versions, I had a much better time for some reason. I think part of it well, is also that solid voice acting too. I've, I've talked about this before in the podcast. Like that game came out in like 1990 for us, yes, uh, and it has English voice acting, and it's 
not bad. I, I mean, there's a couple of voices that are pretty are pretty weird, and they they love the word goons. They'll call all the enemies goons, and that's kind of funny. Uh, but the voice acting for like a 1990 like niche Japanese game is like that's actually pretty good. Yeah, uh, I think they hired some big name considered. voice actors. Yeah, it has it has a one of the characters I forget who is Jim Cummings, who is like really every Disney pop- movie and TV yeah. show you've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. So yeah, I played that actually not too long ago. Uh, it has the uh, it has the uh, PC Engine style uh, artwork and cutscenes. They're not really cutscenes, but like with some animation to them. And so that's really cool. It kind of puts the first two games together as a uh, as one long giant package. So yeah. That's kind of cool. Um, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, that's what I, that's I, that's all I've been really been playing recently. I've also been playing for really no reason whatsoever. Uh, Star Ocean Three on uh, the ps4 version of it oh okay <laughs> how's that going i have not played it at all that particular version of it anyway it's you know star ocean not to drag on this too long the star ocean games i haven't played five but they have this like one thing i kind of appreciate about them is that they oftentimes have these really intricate crafting or other like subsystems in these games oh yeah oh uh, yeah two is that such a great i spent so much yeah, time in two two has a ton of them like with the uh like with music and crafting and yeah. like other item things you can do yeah. in that game uh and if you know what you're doing you can like totally break these games wide open mm-hmm. like in for star ocean 2 you can uh get there's a way you can get infinite money basically at the halfway point through the game i, I did that um, <laughs> yeah so i know yeah. <laughs> it's crazy so, like, Star Ocean 3 has a, a kind of intricate crafting system, and I'm actually just, that's actually what I've been working on today a little bit, is uh, you basically, in this game, this is a subsystem, you hire, like, different inventors, uh, they're, like, NPCs that you get, that you can talk to throughout the game, and they can, like, invent stuff for you, and if you know who to talk to, and how, how to set them up, and how to get them to invent the right things you can like get like super powerful super weapons again like i'm on disc one uh oh my freaking gosh yeah and like and it's like yes it it totally destroys any sense of like difficulty or balance to these eh, games who cares like at least for the main game you pretty much have to do it for like the post games and that's that's one that's another thing is star ocean games at least the more recent ones have like pretty crazy like post game like super bosses and things like that where you pretty much need to like abuse these systems for it and that's just one thing that other some games do, but like not to the same extent that Star Ocean does. Like how crazy! I mean, it kind of reminds me like Disgaea stats, only in a more traditional JRPG like style. So it's just kind of crazy. Some of the things you can do. I was just kind of replaying it just for fun. Yeah, I've spent a lot of time in three, but I never quite beat it. Like the only one I've ever beaten is two, and I had such a great yeah. time with that that I want to go back to it and play it sometime soon. But Hopefully we'll eventually get, you know, second evolution PS4 version over yeah, here because, yeah. That's so weird that they never, like, it's it's translated. It's even dubbed. Like, they, <sighs> I'm, I wonder what's holding it up, like, why they can't release that on PS4 some, outside of Japan. Like, There's probably some contractor licensing thing or middleware yeah. thing that's holding it up. So. It does have voice acting in too, so I I wonder if that's the case. Uh, but it's you know we're talking about the game that's considered the best in the entire series. So yeah, I'm, I'm I, I think it's pretty. I, I think it's pretty universal that people consider two the best. Not only in it's it's clearly the best like storyline wise. Oh yeah, 
It's weird like, because I, I think when they announced three, uh, uh, the the U.S. localization, the Western localization of that, people were like, oh, the beloved classic returns. It's like, uh, are you missing something here? Three is like one of them. Uh, was like the start of the series becoming people, really mixed. Well, people, I think three is people do like three a I lot like three, as well, yeah. but it has it has that it has the infamous twist. Not to spoil it, but if you know what I'm talking, you probably know what I'm talking about. I do. I don't. I, do. I don't think it's a big. I don't think it's a big deal that some people like really hate the twist in three and that alone like that thing is that that story kind of basically just destroys everything else for them so yeah <laughs> it's it's the funniest thing because i obviously around the time starship three was coming out it kept getting delayed over and over and over again and to the point that that till the end of time the subtitle uh was like yes. the running gag for that and i think that that's kind of plagued the series since then uh because despite the fact that it was delayed for so long, uh, people came away from the experience uh, experience mixed. It's kind of like the original yeah. Nier, you know? It's like you either like it or you don't. Uh, and I, I did enjoy 3, but I'm not beating it. I, do, I did go through the twist that you're talking about, but I didn't get all the way to the end of the game, so I yeah. might go back and play this particular version. And of course, 4 is available on... Four, was it the re- remastered P- well, in 4K it's P- edition? It's on PS4 and PC now. It's yeah, kind of came out of nowhere. It's- it's got a it's got a really wonky title like 4K and HD remaster. Yeah, Square Enix okay. cannot just say you know HD. <laughs> it's, it's that's beyond the pale. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's good to hear. And I guess yeah, I, I, it makes me want to play those games because I'm already I, getting I, really I, into the mobile game. So yeah, that's actually the reason why I kind of started playing it because like the mobile game was coming out, and you know I saw like um, I like some of the Star Ocean three characters. Like I saw like Nell and uh, Fate. And you know Maria, I'm like, all right, I'll just I'll play three again. You know, I'm not really interested in the mobile game, but I'll just play three again because why not? Yeah, have some have some nostalgia. Well, then uh, for me, then uh, it's just been a lot of XCOM two. So a few months ago, they added XCOM two to PlayStation Plus as a free game. Um, I already owned it on PC, uh, but I never got around to playing it. So I figured it's a lot easier for me to just have it on my computer. Uh, excuse me, on my PS4 and play it that way because. I can just do that and then maybe multitask when I'm waiting for loading screens. Uh, that's yeah. where I kind of ran into some trouble is because the load times on the PS4 version are super long. Like I might, if I have to reload a save, I'm just sitting there for like five minutes or something just for that. <laughs> maybe maybe not that long, but it's, it's that, a that long might be time. exaggerating. But uh, it's probably about two minutes. Uh, but still, really? like yeah, it's still pretty long. It's not it's not short by any means. I mean, like I would consider like thirty seconds is a pretty long load time. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, like restarting a. Uh, like a map or something yeah one to two minutes at the very least um is what i'm I'm usually just sitting there like that's why i kind of set the controller down and just do something else but for what it's worth uh, like i said i'm having a lot of fun with it because uh i've been watching uh this other site called giant bomb they've been doing this uh running series (laughs) for a long time no one no one's heard of giant bomb (laughs) yeah uh oh yeah not everyone's heard of it i I bring it up sometimes people like oh what uh, oh. But yeah, it's been around. Uh, they've been doing this series for about the past year where they're playing through the original XCOM Enemy Unknown uh, in Iron Man mode, which means that it's like permadeath mode. Uh, so if, obviously if someone dies, that's it. Uh, there's only one save and you can't, uh, uh, you know, can't go back. You can't save scum. So I've been kind of playing XCOM 2 that way and I've been having a lot of fun with it that way. And so I've, I've built up this entire squad. They're already up to uh, Captain. Uh, so it goes anywhere from like it goes like uh, rookie, squatty, uh, sergeant. No, sorry, cor- corporal, sergeant, 
uh, lieutenant, and then captain. And I'm, I got everyone up to captain level. And they're all like, they all have like these bandanas around their faces, and they got like side parts and, and undercuts and all these things, like really cool style. They also all are, are all wearing aviators. <laughs> so uh, we're just like this badass crew of mercenaries coming through uh, and killing a bunch of aliens um, and robots. And it's extremely addictive. Like, you're spending all this time building up your a base, uh, all the facilities in there, doing a bunch of research, uh, deciding how you want to build your characters out with their skill trees. And so I might have, like, multiple grenadiers and specialists and rangers and sharpshooters. Um, but I'm all, like, trying to figure out how I want them all to, uh, you know, grow through the different paths of the skill tree. I mean, there's only, like, there's only so many ways you can break, branch them out. But uh, for the most part... I'm not branching them out too much because there's definitely skills that are way more overpowered than the other ones. Like the ranger at some point gets this ability where that if um, if they kill somebody, then the next turn the enemy will miss their shot. No matter what. <laughs> so it's it's been uh, a hell of a ride seeing this like extremely overpowered class just become more and more powerful. And the sharpshooter like constantly getting shots off. It's kind of like Valkyrie Chronicles. Like there's something really satisfying yeah. of having a, a sniper that just cannot miss for the life of them. Um, uh, like so, I haven't played XCOM. Like it's one of those games. I'm pretty certain I would love it if I did. Oh, I think you would. Honestly, yeah, yeah. I, I know it seems like. It, 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 this is this is a similar sort of like internet joke or meme that Fire Emblem has, where it's like, ah, I have an eighty percent chance to hit, and you're standing right next to them, and like little, there's a little oh, like so comment that people write like, where like you miss when you're like a foot away. Like, that's how so did you miss? It? I had that actually a little bit before this podcast started, where I, I was right next to somebody, and yet they're facing them. Game on a uh, game uh, gun aimed at them, and they started to like go like ten degrees to the right and shoot. It was like, what? <laughs> Why would you do this? It's it's uh, really bizarre when they do that, especially at like I had like a ninety percent chance of hitting them and I missed. I'm like, are you freaking? Yeah. So, uh, but no, it's 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 extremely fun, and the difficulty, uh, you know, kind of ramps up and kind of goes over the place. But once you get those shots off, there's something extremely satisfying of being able to pull off a very difficult mission and having everyone survive in some form or fashion. Some of them are like lightly wounded, some are, are gravely wounded. I have lost a few soldiers, and it was kind of really heartbreaking. I lost one of my favorite soldiers. Uh, and you have to start from square one with some of them. And so uh, what I did was that at that point, I decided to go back, make sure I'm building a bunch of different rookies uh, on the easier and moderate difficulty missions. And that way I'm, I always have somebody to rotate out. So yeah, I'm not, I do not own the DLC, the War of the Chosen that came out last year, uh, but I should I should probably pick that up because there's a lot more content there. But so far, that's kind of been sinking all my free time into that particular game and nothing else. And so uh, I'm I'm excited to check out more of that. And I know I'll be stuck to it for a while. Yeah. I know Octopath just came out and I, I have it. I just haven't started it yet. But that's, you know, every summer I try to like either do some backlog, you know, games or what I'm doing now, like just play Star Ocean, just, you know, just some, play some older game, just, just, just to re-experience it while it's an otherwise, you know, drier season of not just weather, but <laughs> game releases. So. Oh, yeah. Coming up here, though, like this fall, August and September, especially September. Oh, tons boy. Of boy, boy, boy. Yeah. I mean, Code Vein was delayed till next year, so I don't have anything uh, to cover, I don't think, in, until next year, but uh, that leaves I think me we open. Have to, I think we have to, <laughs> we have to do some 
in terms of like games we're reviewing, we have to some rotation. We have to sit down and organize some of this. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. It's uh, some games lot. have been announced that I don't think anyone's really take uh, uh, acclaimed yet. Anyway, but uh, regardless, yes, some crazy games still coming out because you've got like in September, Dragon Quest Eleven is probably the biggest one, and Valkyrie Chronicles Four will also be out. Uh, just a lot to look forward to. So I'm, I'm excited to see what what what. The quality of those of those experiences are. I know Dragon Quest Eleven. I've had on Good Authority is one of the best entries in the series, so that's probably going to be the one that uh, everyone's going to be happy about. So, with that in mind, though, let's go ahead and get into the news here. So, we'll start off with perhaps the biggest news of the week. Um, well, I guess it depends on the kind of what you're into, but um, Ben and Namco announced a brand new Digimon game. It's called Digimon Survive. Uh, and it's, an, in fact, a strategy RPG. So, Adam, why don't you tell us more about that? Yeah, so, first of all, I don't think we know who is developing this. And this no. is kind of this is kind of tricky with Bandai Namco. Is they, have a, they have a lot of internal studios, but they do a lot of, you know, contracting as well. Like, for example, the, the other, like, Digimon Story games were, were developed by MediaVision. Um, yes. So, like, we don't know. I, I think it, right now they say this is being developed by Bandai Namco, but is it really? But anyway, so it's yeah, one. Eternal. this is a strategy RPG. So that's a little bit different than Digimon Story and Digimon World. Uh, World. <laughs> yeah. What was the other? What was uh, that Cyber Digimon Sleuth? recent? No, uh, there's Digimon Story, Cyber Sleuth, and there's two games. And then there's, like, Digimon World. Hacker's Memory? Something. Uh, no, uh, let me look it up. It came out relatively recently, like, on PS4. Uh, I don't think it was as well regarded. Digimon World Next Order. Yeah, it's it. Digimon. That's what. I, yeah, that's Digimon World. So yeah, but that was. Um, no one really talked but about those, that game. So Paul, yeah, it seems like it seems like uh, that was just kind of a filler title between the two different cyber games that people like. Um, I've heard that the Digimon sto- uh, Story Cyber Sleuth is basically just uh, SMT with the Digimon wrapper. So oh, I probably like it. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, in terms of it. like. You know, you're 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 collecting monsters. They're fighting for you. You can even like evolve them, and you might even have that that fusion digi whatever digi fusion uh, to get newer monsters. So it's kind of like SMT in that way. Uh, anyways, um, so yeah, this is a strategy RPG. So that's kind of cool how they're, they're they're it's like it's still an RPG, but it's a little bit of a different type uh, for this game. But it also has uh, some uh, adventure game type elements where they say you might have to like. Um, there's going to be branching conversation events, and there's also like some sort of point point and click type of gameplay to it. It's it's vague right now exactly what that means, but like a, like some sort of adventure game slash visual novel slash strategy RPG here. Yeah. Um. So, uh, it's you know just a little bit of a different take on it. Uh, let's see here. Let me. I'm pulling up summary. I like. So you play I like as. Thought, yeah. Yeah, you play as Takuma uh, Momotsuka, who is a middle school student basically finds himself getting lost into the digital world and he meets Agumon, the uh, obvious mascot of Digimon. And there he basically they, par- they partner up and have to survive in the digital world. It's basically uh, the first season of Digimon because they're all going to yeah. camp and they get sucked into the world. So yeah, <laughs> that's all it is. Yeah. Um, one thing that's some- somewhat interesting is that the, uh, the music is being composed by the uh, the person who did the soundtrack for I Am Setsuna and Lost Fear. Speaking of which, Come yeah. Miyoshi, uh, he's pretty young, uh, like so. He's an up-and-coming Japanese composer, so we'll see what that music sounds like. Um, but otherwise, it's coming to PlayStation Four and Nintendo Switch in 2019. It has not 
been confirmed for localization. I mean, the track record is pretty good recently. Oh, yeah. So I, I would have to imagine a, an English localization is just all but confirmed. Um, but yeah, it's a strategy RPG probably coming out next year uh, for PS4 and also that having that Switch version. You know, it's, I, I don't know. Has there, has there any other Digimon game on a Nintendo console recently? But uh, so that'll be cool for those people who want everything on Switch. So yeah, it's great news because they're also. Um... Uh, that next, the next Digimon Adventures Try movie is about is going to be coming out here pretty soon, and so that whole series has gotten a really nice resurgence. And that's kind of you know when I grew up, I grew up being like a Digimon fan. Uh, I did watch Pokemon, uh, the TV show when it first premiered, and for a while there, but I stopped in that series around Pokemon Yellow. But I switched uh, to Digimon, and I just fell in love with that series almost immediately. So I just love the fact that this is, a, this is still a big thing. In Digimon World, those games were so damn good. And so I'm, uh, I'm happy to see... Uh, I, I, only, I only played Digimon World 2. But, That's good. But I've, I've only played one of them, but I played the heck out of it. Like yeah. I probably played through that game like six times. Yeah, I mean, those games were more like... like- you know, when, you're, when you're when you're like uh, 10 years old and you have like... A, that's, your, that's the one game you have on your PlayStation, like, you just play it over and over again. (laughs) Yeah, it it was great. Uh, I mean, those were more like uh, Tamagotchi-style games, like you're raising your monster to make him stronger. So those were, were, like, super addictive as a kid, and I saw, like, a speed run of the first Digimon World recently, and it just reminded me how awesome those games were. And so, um, obviously, this isn't a Digimon World game, but still, like, um, it's the it's the the quality is still there, and I'm excited to see what this is because I like the look of the character designs, and so I'm I'm excited to yeah. see more of this when it comes out. But yeah, um, all we've got is just that reveal from V Jump, and so hopefully we'll get some more details well, here pretty one, soon. I, I think I touched on this, but I, I didn't really emphasize it. But it, it does seem like there's also going to be uh, a significant player choice element where there will be story branches that depend on choice, which, you know, that's something you don't really expect from a Digimon game, but also that might actually affect like the different uh, Digimon, like evolution paths too. So there's, there's going to be some of this sort of choice and consequence sort of elements here as well. Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't think there's ever really been something like that that I can think of in a Digimon game. So they're really trying to expand. That might be interesting. Yeah. Looking forward to it. So the next piece of news, uh, uh, what? Well, first of all, I just wanted one last thing is they just put up like the the website for it, like the Japanese website for this game. Oh, and that's where that's basically where all this information comes from is also in the, that and V Jump, the magazine. But there's going to be this is pretty preliminary, but there's going to be a uh, the Digimon Thanksgiving Festival in Japan is uh, <laughs> about a week from now. It's on July 29. So that's probably a week the, for them. Okay. I, I, I actually, I'm actually not exactly sure what that means like digimon it's called digimon thanksgiving festival like i don't i don't know what where thanksgiving comes from there uh but that's in about a week and that's probably when they'll really kind of blow out like all more information about this game yeah i mean obviously they don't share the same thanksgiving we do in japan so i don't know if that's actually a thanksgiving day next week i imagine not i think it's just a digimon related thing it's... i it might just yeah i, I didn't think that's just the title yeah. <laughs> like of this it probably <laughs> we give our thanks to the digimon of the world so we're excited <laughs> i love it i love it so much um so yeah uh moving into the next piece of news we've got here uh Sia games announced that they will be localizing Grand Blue Fantasy Project Relink. And so they're doing it through like all the different languages, uh, like English, Spanish, Portuguese, uh, Italian. Uh, the 
I'm already blanking yeah, on a couple of them. But like, the, big, the big ones, uh, basically meaning that it's going to be localized in both Europe and America in some form or fashion. Uh, which makes sense because they were showing trailers like they, during E3, they had a behind closed doors meeting with some of the press, uh, sh- sharing details about that game. And then during Anime Expo, uh, the first time ever having their own booth, which was gigantic, um, it was probably one of the biggest booths there, uh, they were showing a trailer the, the from January when they first showed yeah. off the game from Platinum. It's a Platinum Games joint, by the way, uh, who worked on Nier Automata, for people who don't know. But yeah, they, they are working. Uh, they said they're going to be um, sharing more details about that uh, uh, during Green Blue Fantasy Fest, which is being held on December 15th and 16th uh, in Chiba, in Japan. And so we'll get some, uh, most likely, more footage of that, but also more details about the localization, I'm sure. So. Uh, looks like we're going to have to wait another five months to get anything about that. But that's still great because the game looks awesome. I'm a huge Game Blue Fantasy fan. Been playing that since the English version launched, even before then, honestly. Um, and it was I got to talk during Anime Expo to the PR manager, and you know he he said like he's so excited about that. They're still thinking about how they're going to you know permeate in the West. And I basically just told him, don't make us make new accounts like Fake Grand Order. Just stick with our Japanese accounts because we can get the content right away. Like the Persona Five event, there's actually an upcoming Tales. Um, event uh, pretty soon here I, I i'm blanking on the date here but it's pretty soon but you know they're bringing back like uh yuri uh so they got like the vesperi characters uh coming up here and they also got like a i think a love live event happening soon too so it's it's always nice to be able to jump right on that and i'm curious to see how exactly they'll approach some of that stuff with their so, first console game yeah so like this is just personally i'm not really one for mobile games and i think it's mostly just like the format of things sure and I think it's also just my lifestyle is that I'm never really in a situation where I where I need to like kill time or or whatever. I know oh, people you're might so do busy. <laughs> this is the oh. person who helps us on the site. I don't really have a uh, but anyways, uh, what I'm getting at is I'm interested in this Grand Blue Fantasy console game. It's you know that's more the type of game. Like I guess it looks like, a I lot nothing, of fun. I have nothing against. Like I, I'm not like a mobile game hater. It's just not not the types of games I play usually. Oh, you don't need to so, explain yourself. There's people who hate gotcha well, games, and I totally understand why they suck. Well, what part. I'm getting at though is yeah. that like I want I, I want to play this console game when it comes out, but like I just kind of wonder like how is it going to be more see like a spinoff? How it, like I I don't really know much about Grand Blue Fantasy. Uh, like how does it tie in or whatever you know? Well, like so, how, how does it work for someone unfamiliar like me? Yeah, so we, I, we'll see. I mean, I can explain a little bit about the case because I already know some of the premise here. So the way that the original game is set up, the mobile game, is that you play this character who uh, meets this girl who uh, is has the ability to summon uh, monsters and, and demons and things like that. So you're basically fought alongside these different characters. Um, instead, Gran. Uh, the character uh he actually embodies these characters like he's like it's like he gets his spirit sucked out of his body and he can go into all these other characters and control them and so that's how they kind of feed into this that it's it's not like you're fine alongside them it's that you become one of them and fight as them but yeah it's way more action focused which is definitely more up to a lot of other people's platinum. speed yeah and it's also platinum you know it's also platinum. Like, it looks, 
if right. you look at the gameplay footage that came out in January, you really get yeah. a sense of how combo heavy it is and how fast and kinetic it is. It, it just looks like a lot of fun. Um, so definitely that's the case. I mean, you don't necessarily need to play the game to enjoy this. It's pretty clear. You just have to have appreciation for the characters um, and who they are because that's it's not like there's a huge amount of development. I mean, there, I mean, all of the characters are technically are very well developed in, in the mobile game, but you know. I'm sure that the onboarding experience in, in this console game will make it so that they'll explain everything as you play it. So, you know, uh, for the most part, though, people get their experience from that as uh, uh, just like the mobile game. It's that it's how much time you spend with it uh, will make all the difference. Like, do you really need to get to know these characters? Not really. As long as they're doing their job and helping and getting you through the different story missions. I will say, as a fan of the mobile game, though, it's very atypical uh, of of a gacha game in that you can go through a lot of the story without ever spending any stamina. They're very generous and given a lot of rewards. Uh, the gacha rates, while not particularly that great, um, I still managed to get like a lot of good stuff there. And once again, like all those collaboration events makes it so exciting. And they're working with top tier English localization talent. The the the, the teams that they're working with, the people. Uh, that are being you know uh, contracted they're very very good at what they do which makes the experience a lot better when you're talking about a japanese game that's being translated uh so you're still using a japanese account i will say yeah the whole making your own japanese account is a pain in the ass but we do have a guide on the site for that stuff but you know i would say you know if, if that's the kind of if you're not really uh if you're kind of wary of the idea of playing the gacha game i would say don't bother and just look forward to this game as you said mm-hmm. yeah so that that's but yeah, uh, it's likely that the game will be out sometime next year because they've been working on it for a while here. So uh, hopefully we'll get some details about that and when exactly we can look forward to it. It'd be kind of cool if it's like a simultaneous release because you know the fact that they're announcing localization now and they still don't know what's going to be coming out in Japan at all uh, means that they're probably going to aim for something very close. And Side Games has got the budget; they made billions of dollars off the mobile game, so I'm sure that they can manage that. Uh, Speaking of which, speaking of mobile games, uh, Sega made some waves the other day. Uh, they kind of it was kind of out of nowhere. Uh, they were basically just saying, "Hey, it's the 30th anniversary this year of Fantasy Star, so we're going to be making a brand new Fantasy Star game." Now, all we have is a key visual. That's just a, 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 a an image of a character. That's kind of all it is. Uh, it's like an armor. Yeah. It's the what's what do they call it? The what's the class? I'm blanking on the class, but it, I mean it, the person's got armor. It just looks I, like a, it looks like a character in armor, like. I don't know. Yeah, I think it. it's part. It's part like the. It could be the antagonist for all we know. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's crazy because uh, obviously for the longest time people have been begging for Sega to release another traditional Fantasy Star game after the success of Online because you had to go through that. You had to go through universe. Excuse me, universe. Uh, we got they they released Fantasy Star Nova, but that was just a tie-in for Fantasy Star Online Two, and it's also a game we never got, of course, because. Why would we understand a game that's all tied into Fantasy Star Online 2 and we didn't get that one either? Which, last I checked, Fantasy Star Online 2 is still under delay. It's not canceled yet, which, whatever, just give it up. Uh, but yeah, they said that it's going to be, all we got on the details is that uh, they'll be sharing more details in a couple days here. Um, likely Tuesday or Wednesday, based on how uh, early they leak out the, the magazine. Uh, but... Uh, it's also going to be made for iOS and Android. Now, I don't know your opinion on this, Adam. I, I know you have not. You told uh, you told me earlier around the same time they announced this that you have not played the original Fantasy Star games, which I highly recommend doing so. But um, 
in my opinion, uh, even if this is like people might seem immediately turned off the idea of a mobile game, I think that if it means that they're going to be making another game in the style of the old Mega Drive uh, and Genesis, uh, those those versions of the games, uh, I think that I personally would be totally up for it because even if it might not be super high budget. I don't care about the fact form factor as long as it's a high quality game. So I think that I'll still be okay with that. What's your opinion on something like this happening? Like, well, I mean, like, like that? I think it's you know, it's like for example, I when I played through the Dragon Quest series, I played Dragon Quest one, two, and three. I played their mobile version. That's right. You know, yeah, they're, they're turn based RPGs about as old as Fantasy Star. Obviously, these are <laughs> kind of spruced up a bit um, than the original versions. But like that, I wouldn't have a problem with if it's just a if it's just like a classic Fantasy Star game, which I have not played the original. I have I have Fantasy Star on Virtual Console and I have two, three, and four on PC. Um, but yeah, if it's just kind of like a Fantasy Star five in a sense, like I don't mean an actual five, but just kind of in that older uh, original style rather than like the Fantasy Online Fantasy Star Online style, that would, I would be totally up for it. I, I do note that the uh, logo that they used in the uh, um, in that teaser that, on that teaser webpage is like the classic logo. Yes, Fantasy Star. That's so, the, it's definitely the case. I mean, it's it's, it's pretty. Not, it's not it's not it's not the online logo with no. all that noise. <laughs> They're so still working. The, the, the old logo. So. It's still busy uh, with that with that game anyway because they just put out some some more content of that uh they keep releasing different versions of it too so clearly that team's still working on that uh but i mean obviously a lot of it has to do with if people have an appreciation for the older style of games but those ones were so damn good and the way that they presented that i'm still like super excited about that and you know it, it's kind of hard to say because like personally i don't think i could stand if they tried to take it and make it like a modern version, like make it look like a Tales game or something like that. I don't know if I would be so accepting of that kind of treatment just because I've got such a fondness. Because I played through the entire series a few years ago when I was trying to play through as many games as in a year as possible, and I included those four games, one, two, three, and four. Uh, I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And yeah, if it's just a spiritual successor, that's, that's fine, uh, and, and I'm okay with that. A lot of the same people that worked on those games are still there. I... I, I imagine some of them have moved on. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think Yuji Naka worked on Fantasy Star, and he's definitely not there anymore. But you know, like if you look at some of the other uh, times when they they give like a different developer, like if it's a different studio given the budget to make a game like that. I mean, look at Sonic Mania last year. That was way more impressive than Sonic Forces ever was. Uh, speaking as a Sonic fan, and so like I would actually be totally fine if they took it and like if they were inspired by that, but still delivered a high quality experience. Obviously. Sonic isn't anywhere near as story-driven as Randy Star is. You're talking about like zero to a hundred, yeah. um, but I I still think that there's definitely potential there to create this compelling experience, uh, despite the fact that it doesn't have like super cutting-edge graphics. And I think that um, the more we look at that the less you'll have people concerned about studios pulling out of the video game market, like when you had that happening to... Um, uh, Silicon, Silicon Studio. Studio. Yep, Silicon Studio and Furio and all this stuff. Like the pulling out. Uh, obviously, Furio is moving to mobile games, and Silicon Studio pulling out of video games entirely. Uh, but that's just you know, 
that's the kind of thing you have to look to. It's that, you know, as long as they keep making better and better mobile experiences, I think that people will be less uh, alienated by that. I mean, obviously, there'll still be plenty of people that don't like the idea whatsoever. Uh, but I think that people should just give it a, ch- a try, uh, give it a moment, and find out exactly what we're going to get. Because uh, even Square Enix can pull it off sometimes, because apparently that uh, Valkyrie Profile mobile port uh, was way better than people expected. So potentially there could be something good here. I bring it to Steam. Yes. And don't screw it up. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> that's a lot. But... I think that, yeah, I mean, I would I would foresee, based on the success of this, I imagine they'll bring this to PC as well. But, you know, it's it's... It's it's gonna be hard to see what happens. I actually kind of would have been interesting if they did like iOS, Android, Switch. <laughs> That'd be kind of uh, that would be more right, telling for that. Yeah. And it could still happen, you know. This like Romance and Saga, those types of games. They were released on mobile yeah. first and then brought over later, so it's potentially happening. Uh, it's like when the Final yeah. Fantasy IX remastered was announced. So the last yeah. piece, a last piece of news we got here then is yet another also mobile. mobile right? Also <laughs> mobile. We're like a stream of mobile news today, except for Digimon, um, Arc the Lad. So uh, all we know is that Sony Forwardworks, which is their mobile studio, so back in December of 2016, Sony held this conference where they announced the formation of a brand new subsidiary, Forwardworks, uh, which is the mobile endeavor, where they're taking a lot of their properties uh, and other. Uh, and their licenses and trying to make uh, the best mobile games they possibly can. And so at that studio, uh, during that time, they announced a number of different mobile games. Uh, of course, Ark the Lad was one of them. They also announced new Wild Arms game will be out there. Uh, that's also the time where they announced Disgaea for mobile. And that's they shared a new tra- uh, there was a new trailer for that very recently as well. Uh, and that, that's what we posted on the site. Uh, so yeah, Arc the Lad mobile reveal. They said there's like the new website with a new key visual. Actually, I think it's their website that got updated. In fact, saying that we're gonna get more details about it next Friday, July 30th, uh, which will likely be in Thursday sometime in, in the West. So yeah, and I, I I I I'm pretty sure it's you another have series played. I have not played it. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna and say, and I I own them all on on PSN like one two three and uh, Twilight of the Spirits on PS4. Just haven't gotten around to them yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so just to kind of give people an they're, idea, they're, that... it's kind of like the first game, anyways. It's kind of like, is it kind of like a strategy RPG where you have like Ark the Lad on like some sort of like grid sort of system? And I, yes, it is. It's a tactical RPG. Post. Yeah, it's 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 definitely okay. a tactical RPG. And and to be clear, it's that just to give a, a setup of the credits here. It's that so um. It's going to bring back. It's going to actually pick up uh, right after the events of the original series. That's actually kind of the thing that was like that and Wild Arms, both of them. It's that these are direct sequels, and it's going to have the producer of the original Arc the Lad one and two, uh, and the scenario writer, and a, a bunch of other people that worked on the original game are going to be working on this one. However, the developer is going to be Alt Plus. Which we know very little about uh, in terms of what exactly they've worked on. Uh, they're they have they've definitely done. It's just only mobile games. Which honestly, uh, as long as they have a good track record, which I think they do in terms of developing something like that, uh, it's going to be hard to see. I think Gree works has worked with them in the past too. But the, the only thing they uh, the only thing we can see is that they made some Atomic games and stuff like that. It's it, they have a very small number of produced titles but you know if sony's going to work with them it, they must see something uh good with them uh, uh, we might get a good experience out of that uh arc the lad is one of those series that 
the more you played it, like Twilight of the Spirits, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that was the one that was like trying to like be like a greatest hits title, and that it was kind of a, a bit of a letdown, and it hasn't been seen ever since. I think the last Ark the Loud game came out like 15 years ago, uh, 14, 15 years ago. So it's well, it's, actually, wait, hmm? isn't Ark the Loud kind of awkward in that? Uh, one second here. <laughs> Weren't the PSN releases for like second and third games like the only English releases they got like way after the fact? Am I thinking of the right series? I I don't know what you mean. I mean the first three were, they were all localized. They were all localized. All the all the different Orca the Light games were localized. Unless you're talking about okay. a PSN release, that'd be different. I think okay, the first so Arc three. The Lad, okay, so Ark the Lad released originally in Japan in 1995. Yeah. Then. There was Ark the Lad Collection, which I'm not sure what that is exactly, released in North America in 2002. So, like, the original game was not localized at the same t- or at, around the time of the original release. And then it was put on PlayStation Network in 2006, and then North America got it on PlayStation Network in 2010. So, like, that's, that's what I was thinking of. Like, it, it, the North American release... Uh, let's see. Okay, here. I'm on the Wikipedia page. I'm just going to quote it here. Yeah, I mean, it's the Despite trilogy, the popularity, right? This is for the original game. Despite the popularity of the game in Japan and considerable demand for a North American release, Sony Computer Entertainment of America opted not to localize the game. Two different third-party publishers in the USA offered to translate the game, but Sony refused to license the game. This prompted a deluge of letters and emails calling for a North American release. And in early 1996, uh, the Sony caved that Arthur Ladd would be released in, the, in 1996. As the planned release dates approached, North American release would contain both Ark the Lad and Ark the Lad 2, uh, with an end of ga- with an end of game save being used to unlock the second game. This release was later canceled. However, a North American localization did eventually appear as Ark the Lad Collection in 2002. Yes. While the game re- remains mostly unchanged, the color movie sequences was changed from 16-bit to 24-bit, and DualShock vibration support was added. Other changes include some name changes. Uh, so okay, so Ark the Lad Collection is a 2002 PlayStation One game. So that came out after the PS2 had released, and that contains the first two games. And I think the third game was PSN only. Okay, so that's 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 kind of what I was half remembering is that the localization history of this game, of this game was kind of awkward. Yeah. So I mean, and I also actually also confused the two. It's that Twilight of the Spirits was actually looked upon fondly. End of Darkness is the one that reuses a lot of assets, and that's the one that that kind of killed the series at that point. That came out oh, in yeah. 2005. So yeah, that's uh, it, in America anyway. So yeah, that's where it kind of ended. Uh, I mean, Wild Arms, speaking of which, that kind of has the same trajectory. It's <laughs> that the last game that we got was uh, what was it? The that PSP game, I think it was like Wild Arms XF. I think it was. I forget what it was. Uh, but they were, they also released like this. Uh, I think they released like an online game that never got localized. So maybe I'm mistaken that with Grandia. That could be potentially the problem there. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, um, it's just great to see these games coming back in some shape or form. So uh, obviously, we'll talk about the game more uh, on the next podcast because it'll be right after they reveal some actual concrete details about that. But uh, the art looks cool. <laughs> that means anything, uh, and I just hope that they deliver on on a good experience with that because um, Ark the Lad could do with something nice. I did play the Ark the Lad collection, and I, I enjoyed it for what it was. That's actually back in the days when working designs was still working closely with. Sony. Yeah. So the, I, I also I misspoke. The Ark the Lad collection actually contains all three of the games. I yeah, thought it was it's the trilogy. The yeah, I do. I do remember yeah, that. It's, it's the trilogy. It released like well after the first three games. Okay, that. No, I, I got it now. 
Yeah, they had this weird, like, I think it was like a, I think it was like an arena casino game or something like that they put on PSN. It's, it was all disjointed. They kind of broke all the games up when they put it on PSN, which was a bit of a shame. Uh, Actually, in Japan, they released like this substantial collection of all the different games and like it had a ton of extras. Like, working designs went way beyond the pale in in delivering something like an insane collector's edition uh, that costs like a lot of money now. It's the typical thing they were doing for a lot of the games at the time, like Lunar. But this was like the gigantic package for a series that doesn't have a lot of appeal in the West. Like, it's not a series that's well-known compared to some of the other stuff that they put out there. Clearly, it's big in Japan. Uh, So it makes me wonder uh, the potential of whether it'll be localized. I imagine it will, because it's Sony. But I guess we'll have to wait and see what they say during the event. Um, Actually, if I'm not mistaken, I think they said it was going to be a simultaneous release. So maybe we'll get something like that. So that's it, though, for this podcast. So we'll let you guys know where you can find us. As always, you can find us on RPGsite.net. Let me pull that up real quick, so in case we got anything. Yeah, we've got that review for Octopath Traveler. Uh, We also put up a bunch of different guides for that game. People want to learn more about what they need to do in that. Uh, we're coming up on some other big releases as well, including the release of Monster Hunter World, so we'll have some content for that. Uh, but of course, yeah, Adam, your review of East Memories of Cellstead, I, I assume you're making a review for that. I'll probably do a quick review, you know, yeah. it's, like, the, it's I think the thing one. that people are interested in, are in, I've already posted the preview of, like, the PC port stuff, but I'll, I'll probably just write up a quick review because I can. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, obviously, if anything, it'll be short, but, you know, we've already got the original Vita review thing is though i think i liked it a lot more than you did so it might I mean, be I don't worth dislike it, it. It's just, no no, I, no. I just think... yeah it's not as much i should say you like it just not as much as i did yeah uh, so it'd probably be good to have a second opinion on that for people who want to know uh, especially because this is a different looking version too uh but yeah uh you can find out you can look forward to that you can also find us on twitter at rpg site Look on Facebook on facebook.com slash RPG site net or YouTube channel youtube.com slash RPG site net. Check out that footage I mentioned of Ease Memories of Sasada for PC uh, in 4K. And so it's up there, including Adam. Also, Adam has been, uh, other Adam, Adam Reese, he's been streaming some Xenogear. So we've got up to part four on, on the channel there, the VODs for that, for the Twitch streams. You can always, I mean, check us out on Twitter. We'll always announce when we're going to go live on Twitch so people can check that out. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes, your favorite podcast app. Just search for TetraCast. All permanent Discord link, discord.me slash RPG site. And lastly, we'd like to share where you can find us on Twitter. So where can they find you, Adam? I'm at K-I-N-G underscore S-E-D-A. Right. You can find me at Zach Reese. So that's it for this July 21st, 2018 edition of the TetraCast. Thank you, Adam, for being a part of this. And thank you all out there for listening. Catch us next week for yet another edition of the TetraCast. Bye, everyone.